You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me, as always, the man for whom every day is decision day, it's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison. Hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, what am I deciding upon? Uh, that's that's the big thing. Uh, if, if every day is a decision, what is today's decision? What are you going to eat for breakfast? What are you going to wear? Which route are you going to take to work? What podcast are you going to listen to on the way there? Obviously, the American Soccer Analysis Show should be your first choice, but you already know how it goes, so maybe not. Yeah, I there's a, I, I have like eleven different podcasts in my in my uh, Stitcher, um, and, and like eleven podcasts I listen to. Listen, not even counting like the dozens of like ones that I added one time because I'm going to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I never listen back to these like ever. It's... I do. I, I really liked our, our uh, beginning of the season. Like, if you, if you listener, want to go back and hear the job that we did, go back and listen to the preseason uh, projections. I, 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 I actually think we did a pretty good job of that. Yeah, we were a little bit down on LAFC, but uh, I, I contend you really probably didn't see that coming. Yeah. I mean, it, it, was, it was a confusing time, as we said, back when we did our LAFC deep dive playoff preview, which we are going to continue that series today with – uh, in a bridge look at our final two we didn't get to, which are uh, Real Salt Lake and DC United, um, you know, it, just with everything that's been happening this week in the world of uh, Major League Soccer, uh, we realize that we kind of have like one day before their playoff game, so it's going to be <laughs> a very short window where this will be relevant. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about those two teams. Uh, I certainly uh, did not expect Real Salt Lake to be here uh, in this conversation, um, and they, we they certainly get... belong. They certainly belong, right? They do. They do. But if I were going to guess, based on going into decision day, I think I would have said that the Galaxy probably would have beat Houston. Probably. Oh, my goodness. Like, how did they How did they just like, epically, epically fall apart? Okay. Let's get into it. Let's, let's start, because this is what's on everybody's mind. What a decision day that was. That was <laughs> bonkers. And I previously have been opposed to decision day i think it's kind of gimmicky i think it's kind of silly i think it's trying to like capture the excitement that that the european version has but we don't have promotion relegation so it's like a lot less exciting i don't think actual decisions are made i that's already the name of something else in sports like when high schoolers commit to their college football teams but that was before this last one and now i'm 100 percent pro decision day because that was incredible to watch uh things still like so much up in the air until like the very last 10 minutes and then everything just kind of flipped uh, especially in the west which is where things went a little bit nuts um i don't know what, what blew your mind out in the west on decision day uh okay well i mean we just said la galaxy losing to houston obviously but cole bassett like cole bassett cole I mean, bassett everybody's Listen. everybody that's like got an mls podcast probably saying that name this weekend but uh fc fc dallas who really had a really good opportunity to uh snag that number two seed get a buy and a buy is huge when you look at the probabilities of of what um it, basically what it adds to your chances of getting to that next stage and getting to mls cup uh bye week's really huge and um they just completely and epically choked that away when you look at something like a playoff bracket a playoff run um a lot of what you don't value is just that you have to go on a winning streak like that's how you win the tournament is you you i mean because of the two legs you can you know you know fudge a leg but you have to go on a winning streak and if you can take one game off of that winning streak that you need that makes your odds so much higher than the person that has to do that extra game because so many variables come back into play again um, especially in a one-off, anything can happen. A red card early, and like it's just that's it. Uh, you know, a weird penalty call. Um, somebody messes up the video review. Not unheard of in this league. Not unheard of. It could happen. 
Yeah. Um, and that could be that. And you don't really have as good of an opportunity to kind of mitigate that with a second leg. So, um, yeah, I don't – that had to be a huge blow to them, especially because they've got to take on Portland, who I think are – I also think it was crazy they punted. Like, I, I really I, – I understand – yeah, I didn't make that in the ra- in the in the roundup notes, but that's a really good. That's a and I so there's two schools of thought, right? So school A is you're going to have to play a game in the upcoming week, whether that's a midweek game or uh, a two leg series, which is probably going to be played under sh- over short rest. So rest the guys that are a little bit older because those are going to be you're going to have to play as you just said you're gonna have to play five games in less than a month but this is where like because you look at merit last couple years caleb poor like they just immediately when they get knocked out they start complaining about having to play on the road about like oh the weather's crazy oh the surface was really bad oh there were these things that were like you know really affected the game it's like you had a chance to like control that to some degree you like it wasn't guaranteed, but like by winning, you could have had the home game. You could have done that in your little fortress there in Portland that you play so well in. And instead, like you're going down to Dallas. Like that's that seems like a, a misstep to me. I mean, even with the extra rest. Yeah, no, uh, and I'm I'm completely with you. Um, I think it's good to present both sides of the argument, but I, I think you're absolutely right. Like if you have, and I just said it with Dallas, right? Like if you have a chance to not increase your probability, it's a huge misstep. Obviously, Portland couldn't be in that number two seed, but having a home game, um, which Portland really should have had, uh, it, it's a huge, it's a huge falter, and they could have really, uh, they could have flipped the tables on uh, on Dallas. I mean, yeah, they weren't expecting Dallas to choke on the road against, you know, uh, or yeah, on the road against uh, Colorado. Colorado, but come on, like, you still got to put things, and you you still got to do everything right on your side, and. <clears throat> you, I felt like they really slept on Vancouver a little bit. Vancouver, you know, we'll, we'll get into it in a second. They're just completely in disarray. But overall, I mean, they're they're not a bad team. And their best player, um, who's going to Byron Munich at the end of the year, kind of had his going away party. I and... love that for them. I thought that was great that he got to get a nice little brace there and sort of um... – as a sending off of sorts, uh, I think that that's really cool. You don't you don't always get to see that, but but it but it is nice when the when the narrative and the and the and the function kind of lines up together like that. I agree. I agree. I, I thought it was a really cool uh, cool happening for them, uh, especially given the, the the situation with. You know, it, it really could have been a better season for them overall. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's still. That's a work in progress, and it might even be a work they just have to start over. I mean, yeah. who knows? Like it's it's a it's a bad scene right there right now, uh, which we'll there, we'll get into it. I mean, yeah. in a minute, like I, we'll we'll cover that. I don't want to like harp on it too much because it's just kind of like talking. But um, you know, there are big changes afoot for Vancouver. We got a new coach coming in, likely Mark Dos Santos, which puts me in a difficult position. Uh, because I love Mark Dos Santos, uh, but I've never been a fan of Vancouver. But perhaps, perhaps now these things can come together. Um, you know, uh, well, let's just say, I mean, you know, basically in the press, there was like apparently some sort of airing of grievances in the locker room. It, it was which, the Seinfeld Thanksgiving. That's, yeah, that's what it was. It was, yeah, it was the, uh, I forget what the Seinfeld Thanksgiving Airing of grievances. Yeah, but it was like a. It had a name. The holiday. I can't remember it. Oh well. Oh. Someone. Will, someone will tweet it to us. Oh gosh, Casey. No, Casey's gonna hate us forever if we. Yeah. If we. Uh. It. It, it was uh, Festivus. Festivus. That's right. Festivus. Goodness. Like I. All of a sudden, like I get. I got scared because yeah. we're gonna just get like epically tweeted at by Casey for. Yeah. Well, we we remembered now, and you know Jay Stiller was was funny, so. Okay, so so that situation is obviously bad there in Vancouver. And I think it has been for a while, and I, I don't think that it looks like Kendall Washington wants to leave, which, do you blame him? I, I don't. Like, there are a lot of teams that could use him, and, like, there are a lot of teams that adding Kendall Washington to that roster makes them extremely competitive, uh, which I think he's a really good center back, and I think he's a really dynamic presence, and I think that he uh, can't be blamed for wanting to be on a team where he can kind of be a star, and not just kind of get forgotten about because he's in Vancouver who are always just sort of like mid tabley um, At the same time, I think Vancouver kind of needs to move on from these guys. Like I, you got a new coach coming in with a different kind of philosophy. Um, 
some of these guys maybe worth keeping around. I don't know. A couple. I, I really like. Are there any cases you can make right now, like for anybody that you'd want to keep in Vancouver if you were Mark Dos Santos? Jordi Renya. Yeah, keep Reina. That's a good call. Uh, but uh, aside from that, no, it's it's uh, Daniel Ari uh, Henry uh, is probably also another uh, young center back that I'd probably keep. I mean, obviously he's he's not uh, you know um, he's not somebody that's going to make huge leaps and growths. But uh, I would imagine he's still, you know, he's just entering his prime. So he might have one more, uh, you know, tier that he could jump. So those would be the two guys that, you know, I'd kind of center around. But there's there's also a couple of other uh, youngish players uh, across that team that uh, on the on the bottom stages that you might see uh, get added. And look, Kendall Waston's a really good player. Um, to say that he gets forgotten about because he's in Vancouver, I think that Vancouver gets remembered because of Kendall Waston. And so, um, and I think if you add him onto another more high profile team, I think his antics, um, I mean, you know, Vancouver fans are going to be mad at you because he's been so well behaved this year. Harrison. He he has, but but I mean, like it came out like at one point in time, he was yelling at the owner about how they needed him uh, during practice. He's Uh, right. He's like, those owners need screaming at. I, I, I I side with Kendall. I, I, I I don't disagree that they do. they, They do need him, but I mean, it's, it's obviously it's, it's not a great sign when your best player is flaunting about the fact that how everyone else sucks and if it wasn't for them then this team would be terrible that's usually not a good sign especially when you have a really dynamic younger player another you went out and spent on a on a pretty good uh striker that fit your scheme i i just felt like there are so many things there are so many different things that just didn't fall their way this year that really um i thought vancouver was going to be better than what they were you know I what? Really did. You know what I think is worse than having a player scream about that is when the player is right. That's and, probably true. That's, uh, that's true. <laughs> I think that speaks more on that. But anyway, I think this is a great opportunity to like turn the tide for Vancouver. Um, they've had this one viewpoint for so long. They've had this one coach for a while. Uh, bringing in just Marcos Santos, a guy like that, just getting some new different kind of players in, a new philosophy. And, like, let's see these guys kind of catch up. Let's see these guys, like, hang out with the rest of the Cascadia teams and uh, make that rivalry and that Cascadia Cup even better than it already is. And, um, you know, it's not like the Western Conference. Nobody has, like, a lockdown on it. Like, this is still, like, even going into the next year, unless huge changes are made to teams. Like, I can't see anybody just, like, with a vice grip on it. So uh, there's no reason why you can't come in there and compete right away. I I feel like... I do feel like they're going to have to make huge, huge changes to to really get into that next because like when I talked about them I felt like they were going to be a good good team a good team is you know five six pushing maybe for a four seed that's kind of like where I saw that that like if everything broke right maybe they're hitting that four seed and I know last year they they had a chance to I think they had a chance to win the west which I mean I think that was more speaking again to the craziness that is the west but that's kind of where I put their, like, if everything seems sanely, not, like, outrageously, but just normal broke out, four seeds seem realistic. I feel like if they're going to break into that by week, um, they're going to have to add some serious top-level talent. Because while SKC doesn't have anybody of notoriety, at the same time, they just continue doing what they do. And LAFC continues to add, spend money and add players. LA Galaxy are going to some something is going to happen eventually. They're a sleeping giant. They they are absolutely a sleeping giant because they have the money because they're sleeping or they're uh, they're across the street from uh, LAFC. Things are going to eventually happen. You can't continue to to assume they're going to just stand pat. Seattle continues to somehow figure out how to do things and it's not as if they're not spending money too they're going to have a dp spot spot this year with dempsey stepping down so and a healthy jordan morris that's a lot of problems and then count on the fact that dallas is actually spending money now that they've got their their uh usl team and their academy starting to kick into gear right now vancouver's got to figure themselves out and i'm not saying it can't happen they have the money from the davies transfer but i this is this is a critical spot 
that's not taking into account the fact that Portland has had a very good year and they still might have one more prime Valeri year in its clutches. So, I mean, you're they're going to have to figure their stuff out and figure it out now. Otherwise, this is a, this could be the point that we were saying, you remember when Vancouver used to. Yeah. Well, it's true. I, I'm optimistic for them. I, I really think the new coach is going to help a lot. I just I, I I see I see the value of a Carl Robinson. I see why they kept Carl Robinson for a couple of years, not as long as they did, but you know, um, I think it's just time as a franchise that they kind of uh, hit that next step of maturity, that next step of growth. And I, I think that you know bringing in Marco Santos is is the right call to do that. So. We'll see. We'll see. Again, a lot of it depends on how much money is going to be spent, like whether they can kind of find homes for some of these one-away guys. Um, uh, you know, it, there's a lot up in the air, and that's it's going to be a unique challenge for them this off season. But but it's one that uh, I think they've needed to to face for a while, and I'm I'm glad to see that they, I think it's coming to a head, and they're going to face it here. So, um, okay. So that was just one thing. That wasn't even a decision day. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we talked to. Okay, so probably the biggest swing. In decision day would have had to be Seattle, probably right. Going from, yeah, what they were like five and they went to two. In- yeah, yeah. I mean, they they were on the road at Portland and then they swung to at home against Portland and then they jumped up into that second seed pretty fast with both LAFC and FC Dallas losing. So uh, yeah, it's it was a huge make for Seattle. Who I mean. Let's face it, we've been, at least I have, I don't want to throw you in the same boat. I know you wrote a really good pre, uh, pre, uh, preview of them for the playoffs. It, it, it's it's phenomenal, their, their second half, without a doubt. They have a ton of talent, and now they get to pretty much wait a week and get everybody that was already pretty healthy, um, even healthier. And, and yeah, that's they're a scary team going into the playoffs. They really are. It's a good scene for them. Um, again, like I don't, I kind of want to say like I don't see them going back to the final just because I don't think it can happen this many times in a row, but maybe it can. I don't. Know. I just feel like the law of averages is going to swing back, uh, because as we've talked about, there's so many things that can go wrong. But again, because they got that high seed, they can mitigate some weird stuff, which is great for them. Like they they get a couple legs on these guys. And, and they get to be at home. Like, so it, it's not like impossible at all. Like, in fact, I would consider them one of the favorites to kind of make that advancement. I mean, think about it. And I don't want to get too far into it, but every year, not only has the West really broke out for Seattle, but they it's broke out in their favor to where they're getting really good matchups. I mean, it's like if LAFC doesn't get past RSL for some reason, if, you know, and they go and, SKC, RSL in Seattle. I mean, I don't want to sell RSL short, but like, could you imagine that type of a setup? I mean, I feel like that's kind of like what type of year the Sounders are having is like somehow they're going to face, you know, RSL in the in the semifinal or in the you know conference finals, whereas you know in the Dallas in the in the semis. Um, it it just had, it seems had, like that yeah. would be perfect for them. Yeah, and they've had Dallas's number the last couple of years, and. Well, and no disrespect to Oscar Pereja, and I've said this a couple times. I don't think he's a very good tournament coach. I don't think he, what his his maneuvers really, um, they they they're not advantageous in like a two game series. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that. FC Dallas, of course, goes to Colorado. Does not sew up. This had to be. Well, I mean, this was terrible for FC Dallas. Like, this is one of those teams, and I we talked about it when we, we previewed them earlier. It's just, I don't know how they were so high in the West for as long as they were in the West. Like, people are like, how is Seattle so high? That makes more sense to me somehow than, than FC Dallas does, which is just weird. Because I just think that they've been like, what? What, what are they doing so right? They are fairly mediocre, right? And. They've got good results. They, they played really well at the beginning of the year, which helped. I mean, you come out like that, and you you know that that good start like that that's a boon later in the season when you when you kind of start you know slipping towards the end uh but i mean but, just but their, go even their good start and, wasn't great yeah. i mean it was it was and i'm gonna say this word that is kind of 
we're going to get more hate mail. It was kind of fluky, right? They got some some balls just bounced their way. They beat Seattle at home. They, they really just they they just had a really good game against them. They had a few good games against just some teams that just but at the same time it wasn't like wow, Dallas, man. Right? Like it, it never was this really guttural man. No, it was just kind of like, "Huh. Okay." Yeah, and I like FC Dallas. Like, I like the way they build their teams. I like what they're doing. I just never saw it this year. And maybe they're saving it for the playoffs, and they've had, you know, bad luck the last few years in them. Um, so maybe this is their year. Again, I, anything could happen as we learned on Decision Day. But, uh, yeah, pretty pretty brutal defeat to Colorado. That You don't want to end. You don't want to go into the playoffs on that. That's never that's never great. So And now they've got arrested Portland to host, so we shall see. Uh, even though... AFC Dallas completely blew it on decision day. They were not even in the top two blowing it on decision day. <laughs> Let's talk about number two. Uh, and that would be our dear friends, Atlanta, who uh, had the supporter shield in their grasp and let it slip away in the most spectacular fashion, uh, losing to Toronto 4-1. to um, New York Red Bulls, of course, beat Orlando 1-0. And... Uh, took that 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 top spot and that 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 trophy that I, I think Atlanta's had their eyes on all season that they felt like was theirs for a long time that seemed like they claimed it in week five uh but but it just didn't um boy Toronto just came out and, and really uh just just spoiled that party huh yeah uh it, it helped that Atlanta looked a little bit flat and I saw a couple different write-ups about how the pressing by Toronto kind of uh unsettled um uh, Atlanta just a little bit in the sense that uh, a lot of their guys just weren't clean on the ball. They weren't expecting the, the, the amount of time that they didn't have on the ball. They were expecting more time, but I mean, man, you gotta, you gotta adapt. You gotta, uh, you really gotta change how you're going to do it. And I don't feel like Atlanta ever changed. And especially in the second half, like when things were still kind of there and, you know, Toronto had a goal that was disallowed. Atlanta scored a goal. You kind of felt like maybe things were shifting at Atlanta's favor, but I never got like that feeling of dread, like Toronto, we're going to blow it. Like Atlanta was going to come back from this 2 nothing win, 2 nothing um, deficit, and they were going to win a, win, a, win a really tough game. I didn't really get that sense, and it's not to – not everything's about feeling and emotion when you're doing an analysis, but, I mean – there's just there was a lack of really dangerous balls that were being played. Toronto seemed really confident in possession, was quick to win it back. Lucas, uh, was it Jansen? Is really man. If they can get him on a full time, uh, yeah, I was gonna. Contract, that was yeah. a really solid move. I was gonna say like that guy is going to be awesome next season if he sticks around. And like we were talking with you know some friends and looking at his numbers and like even his underlying stuff coming into MLS was really good, um, you know, from his old club team. And, and so far in MLS, you know, like on a per 96 level, he's been extremely solid for them. Uh, so, yeah, that's that is definitely a guy that like you want to um, you want to keep an eye on for next year. But, yeah, I agree. It was it was very much one of those like when Atlanta was losing to San Jose, you always were like, ah, this is going to break it bad for them for San Jose. And Atlanta's going to come back and win this. And they did. Uh, it was it was hard to get that impression against Toronto and. Uh, you know, the the scoreline was a little unflattering to them, I think, as they kind of were pushed forward a lot towards the end and, and gave up a couple goals there. But overall, like, I think you have to uh, give Toronto credit for uh, just saying, like, the line, like, the buck stops here. Like, we're not going to, like, let this happen. You're not going to come take our record from us in our home on the last game of the season. Yeah. Uh, and well, I thought Marky Delgado was really good. And he I was. Kind he of, was. I kind of wonder if he's not actually better now than – than Michael Bradley. And I know Maybe. that's like, yeah. in some in some areas, it's like, well, duh. And then other areas, it's like, that's impossible. Yeah, uh, you know, very divisive opinion there. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, just wondering aloud in a very non-biased uh, way, I, I just, I, I wondered to myself at least once or twice um, just watching him play because his movement was really good. They're not the same players, so it's really hard to compare. Um you know, I know they're both central midfielders, but they do things uh, differently, and, and they have different strengths. They have different weaknesses. But uh, overall, I, I I think that there's there's some really 
this season for Marky Delgado has been so good, and he's he's taken such big steps. It's been great. Yeah, they kind of have that sort of. I think with Delgado and Osorio, they kind of have themselves pretty well sorted for next year. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of the question is going to sort of be what happens to these big DPs, like these guys that are making so much money that are that are uh, you know the big names on the roster that got them so far in the last few years. Um, you know, there've been no shortage of rumors about Javinko maybe wanting to go away or Altidore maybe wanting to go away. Um, you know, I'm sure Michael Bradley wouldn't be opposed to, to, to a move at some point either. I don't know if those are the right moves for the organization right now. Like, I, I would be hesitant to trade um, any of those guys or, or, or to let them leave. Um, you know, surely, like, the money you'd get back wouldn't be nearly what you've invested in them, obviously, because they've gotten older. But, um, you know, I, I have to wonder from, like, a team chemistry standpoint. And I think that... Uh, uh, you know, GM uh, Bezbechenko said, like, after the game, like, you know, he wasn't interested in a really big overhaul. Like, do you think that that is, I don't know, is Toronto a team that can kind of just stand pat and wait for the luck to improve next year? I think, well, I don't necessarily think it's so much luck as so much as just hopefully, well, okay, so luck. Uh, luck in the context of health, right? They just had so many guys that just got, uh, that were just unhealthy. And I think I saw something like they only have, like, five or six guys signed for next season. Um, you know, Drew Moore is a free agent uh, at the end of the month. Um, there's a bunch of people that, that have um, contract situations that need to be resolved going into next season. So they very well could. I think they're in a situation where they de- definitely could kind of reload, so to speak. And I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility for Bezbachinko to kind of pull some some fast ones. That being said, I, I think you're going to see Giovinko back. I think you're going to see Lucas Jansen back. I think you're going to see, you know, some of these core figures, Chris Mavinga back um, with maybe, you know, um, maybe a new left back. Maybe, you know, Gregory Vanderwill didn't really, I don't, I don't say it didn't work out, but it wasn't ever to me, wasn't ever great um, on the right side. So maybe they go and they find somebody to replace Stephen Bettishore that they didn't do this past offseason. Um, you know, maybe they, they they add some key pieces and spend a little bit of money in certain areas. Uh, that wouldn't be with that outside the realm of possibility. And, yeah, I think, Michael Bradley, you're probably going to have to make a decision on, and you might need to make a decision on Altador. Uh, but I think Josie Altador is a lot harder to replace than Michael Bradley right now. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't have said that a year ago. No, I agree. I agree 100%. So, uh, yeah, so that'll be an interesting thing. Definitely <clears throat> a disappointing year for them. And I think we all can agree that that team is better than what they showed us this year. And whether that's through injuries or just a lot of bad breaks, too, um, you know, that that's going to happen sometimes. And I think it was unexpected. But but still, uh, again, good for them showing up on the last day of the season and and, uh, and, and kind of holding their own against, uh, against a very strong Atlanta side. So, uh, unbelievably, Atlanta isn't even number one on the list of teams that blew it on decision day <laughs> you know you know you're bad if you're ahead of atlanta for blowing it on decision day la galaxy what are you doing what happened how oh, baby, what are you doing how did this happen the only reason they get the, the the nod over atlanta is because they had a two-goal lead and then they just stopped defending three qu- well and it's not even so. I mean, they gave up one goal. The ge- game got a little bit tight. I, I think it was. I think that first goal was a penalty. If I'm rec- maybe I misrecalling. It's it. The second goal was a penalty. Look, even in even if that's the case, right? Like even if all they did was draw, they were in. And like, it, it just it's so mind numbing. The way guys just went, it's like all of a sudden they knew they were blowing it. It's like you could watch. I I don't think very frequently you can actually tune in and see somebody that's fearful. And do you ever do you ever see like um, it happens rarely in pro games, but do you ever see like a basketball game where you start to notice the balls running out of air just slightly, just like you could just tell a little bit and you know in a few minutes it's just going to be completely gone they have to replace it. That is kind of what happened. <laughs> like that first goal punctured it and it was just like watching all the air slip out of LA. And it was just like, it was like stressful to see and at the same time like I couldn't look away because it was also like a very exciting car accident or something. I, I don't know. It, it just was a very like, oh, they're going to absolutely blow this. 
unbelievable. And you look at a guy like Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the bench, just like, what? how did I lose? I'm not used to this. <laughs> uh, all this high power, all this star power on the field, just kind of laying there, just like, oh. And it, it just became back to the same thing that we said earlier this year about this team, which is that it's a bad team. It has good players, but it's a very bad team. And ultimately, they almost managed to get through it with just riding Zlatan's coattails. And I know that a lot of people were saying he should be MVP, and that kind of quieted down when they didn't win. But, like, really, he did drag that team to where they were. And it, it just it, it just wasn't quite enough in the end. Like, they just fell short of it, and he just couldn't do it all the way like maybe he could have five years ago. And it, it was just... It was it was shocking to watch. Like it was just like wow. Like this team just completely lost it. And um, I don't know how you come back from this. I don't know how you don't just. This is another team. Like I just, how do you not just shake everything up? I, yeah, I don't. I don't know how you. <laughs> I don't know as a executive when you s- sit down at the end of the night, your season's over, and you pour yourself a scotch and you just start thinking, right? put myself in Chris Klein's shoes. I don't have, I don't understand how you can't just question everything. And look, uh, I feel like in the past when I've been in situations that are bad professionally, um, situations that, you know, things just don't go the way I expected them. You know, you have to do an autopsy and you have to be absolutely critical of yourself and you have to say, what did I know? And, I, and I'm not trying to say people should be fired. People should lose their jobs. That's not for me to determine. Um, really, really feel that way right now. And maybe I'll change my mind about that. Details will come out. But right now, I just think you have to sit there and you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, how could I have done things differently when I was in that? Not to, not to try to second guess yourself, but to say, did, was I, did I fully think this decision through? Did I... I I can't believe that this executive staff goes into next season thinking, you know what, realistically, things just had some bad luck that didn't go in our way because I feel like they had really good luck and they, I feel like they had everything that really could have probably gone their way did realistically because, and they were still a bad team. Yeah, and I mean, like they were, had the benefit of getting Zlatan Ibrahimovic on TAMP. Like that is on crazy. TAM. You still had three other designated players. Yes, that is crazy advantage that like he gave to you by by accepting that low of a check. And I don't know if he's joking. It's hard to tell with Slotin, but like he doesn't seem like he's too interested in in not getting paid next time around. So like that's going to be involved. Like moving somebody, can you move just one Dos Santos? Do you have to move both of them? Uh, you know, I I think a guy like. Alessandrini is one you really want to keep around, but considering how complicated that Dos Santos situation might be, maybe he's the guy that has to go. I certainly think you don't get rid of Zlatan if he wants to come back. I think you you have to keep that guy, even as old as he is. He's still obviously a fantastic competitor, and he still has he still has gas in that tank. So uh, it's going to be complicated, and it's going to be hard. And like that does not give me a lot of optimism about them because that front office does not seem like they've been very good at making decisions over the last couple of years. Well, decisions about uh, everything, uh, basically. And that's what's crazy, right? Uh, everything from the coaching and who gets hired to make uh, to be a decision maker in some realm. I mean, they, they've basically not had a general manager for two years. Um, yeah, at, at some point in time, you have to start putting people that you have to admit you need better decision makers in key roles. Um, and yeah, the Dos Santos brothers, look, I think that they have a place. I really do. I, I, I've said this on this podcast before I've said it on Twitter. I think Giovanni Dos Santos makes sense. Just not for the galaxy. Uh, I, I think that honestly, I think it's been too big of an issue. He played 800 minutes this year. Like I, I feel like you could find a place for him in this league. The problem is, is for whatever reason, L.A. just is handicapped with being able to tell these guys no. Or at least that's the way it appears from the outside. And uh, yeah, you're going to have a hard time finding a place from this league at his contract, though. I mean... Look, uh, 
if you sell him, you have to sell low on him. You're going to have to sell pennies on the dollar. And if I'm any other team and I'm thinking maybe I can get Giovanni Dos Santos on a TAM contract for one year with, you know, Galaxy paying the majority of his look and let's be realistic, right? G- losing Giovanni Dos Santos for LA is probably a plus. Just oh, losing yeah. him. Not his oh. salary, not his contract, the player himself. Yeah, just having him not in that situation. Yeah, it, not it having just, to plan it, around him. It's yeah. not going to it doesn't help the locker room. And you know what? You get a, you don't get a lot of money back, but you know what happens if you can kind of maybe get a little bit of tam yeah. You know what? No, Flop him for a little bit of TAM. Take care of his DP contract can't counts against you. But you get a little bit of TAM to help buy down Ola Kamara or some other player. It just means that you can maybe configure that team a little bit better. And and honestly, Ola Kamara probably should go to another team. I'm calling up some I'm calling up San Jose. I'm calling up LAFC. I'm calling up uh, every other – I'm calling up Portland and Seattle and saying, hey, what can we do to work out a deal? Because he doesn't fit your roster. Yeah. Oh, he's wasted there. And, I mean, yeah, maybe he just goes back to Columbus again like, like Miriam did. Uh, just get that band back together. But, yeah, and I don't know. Like He's he's a great player. He's I know me and you particularly like are, have a, a, a very large fondness for Ola Kamara. Um but yeah, he's in a tough spot because he kind of forced that move. And I, I think that, I don't know, you probably don't tell that guy that you're planning on buying Zlatan Ibrahimovic as well. Maybe you do, and he just says, yeah, I'll play out in the wing. I, I, I don't see that being something he would have, you but know, But I don't think with. that that's, I don't think that, that, that accentuates his skill. Like, he made it work because he's a really good soccer player. But I, like, all the metrics that we have, he was, be- he's below average from once he starts getting away from the striker position. And once he starts, you know, navigating himself back towards the midfield like that, he's, he, he starts to become less and less of a positive. And at a certain point you have to say, well, we have better options. So, uh, you know what? He should go to Vancouver. He can be part of that rebuild. You're welcome. Everybody. We did it. You know what? That we makes a lot it. of sense. Honestly, it. that makes a lot of sense. Go there with Mark Dos Santos. Nailed it. Come on, Vancouver. Reach out to us. We got this. Uh, it would work. Uh, so yeah, so crazy decision or decision day, deadline day, decision day, deadline day is a different thing. Um, I don't know. I think uh, let's look forward. Let's look forward towards the playoffs a bit. We we've done deep dives on every team except for two. We were kind of waiting to see where they landed. Uh, let's start with everybody's second favorite team now, uh, unless they're your first favorite team, uh, DC United. Uh, the best story in the league in the, this season, in my opinion, uh, who are now being headlined by one Wayne Rooney, who uh, turns out not too old to play soccer, uh, and uh, Luciano Acosta, who is looking like um, an absolute like star uh, now. Um, so <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have loved watching DC United over the last couple of months. I, I like Acosta. I think he's great. I think they're a really dynamic attack. Um, their defense is horrible. Oh yeah, to be sure. Like that that hasn't changed much. But well, it. I I think that it. I, I feel like people have kind of been like, oh, but they've been good all year. Russell Knauss is the the just the the most amazing de- central defender, and ever since he, when he's in, they're the most locked down defense in the league, and it's crap. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anybody that said that though. I would have yelled at them. <laughs> Maybe you have worse uh, than I do. I feel like we hear a lot of canoes to the U.S. men's national team. Oh and yeah, yeah. People yeah. pointing to, wow, look at that tackle. Look at these individual moments of skill. When Canoose is good. He's a good player. He uh, look, Briant's a decent center back. Steve Birnbaum's pretty good. Um, they, they've had some problems at left back, but you they have know, no real when, fullback scene situation. It's not great there. And it has been, yeah, but I mean, Nick De Leon had himself a game a few weeks ago, yeah. uh, or maybe even a week and a half ago. Yeah. And Joseph Mora, when he's been able to be healthy, he's gotten in, they've had a little bit of bad luck with health. But that being said, even if you're having these individual moments of brilliance, 
and those those do happen and they happen quite frequently for a lot of players in this league to be perfectly honest there's still i mean since the start of the transfer window they have given up the third most expected goals against in this league only Orlando and San Jose have more. Like Colorado has been a better defensive team than DC United in the last three, four months. And if you're sitting there going, well, that can't be right. Oh, they gave up. They've, they've only given up. Okay, so they've only given up 25 of those 33 expected goals. I... PDO, and I know PDO, a lot of people don't hate, like it because it's a measure of luck and it kind of it, it neutralizes shot placement. PDO says that they're lucky. They're giving up way more shots than they're taking shots. And I don't care whether or not you are getting a penalty twice a game and then giving up, you know, 12 shots against you're still not doing yourselves any favors. It's true. It's true. But, I mean, okay. Yes. It's not a complete project yet. I don't think anyone would say that it is. But it's a step in the right direction. Matt uh, Doyle went on to this thing about how they could beat the Red Bulls. They and could. DC United is they probably could. the favorite it's, right now. No. Well, that's a bit much. But, I mean... They could. It's the playoffs. You can. This is what happens in these. I'm these. not saying that that's, that's outside the realm of probabilities. I mean, the, the probability is, you know, they absolutely have a chance at making the cup. I mean, it, it's three percent according to the model that uh, Matthias put together this week on on the AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com. But it's something. But still, I mean, so they have a seven percent chance of reaching the finals. They have a 20% chance of getting to the conference finals. Realistically, for them to beat the Red Bulls, I mean, a, four out of five times the Red Bulls beat them. That's basically what, what our model says. And that's not to say crazy things can't happen because, yeah, crazy things happen in games and sports. That's the realistically. But for what we know about these teams, the Red Bulls are so much better so much better than DC United. And that's not to kick DC United and be like, oh, they're a crappy team. They're a terrible team. Wayne Rooney's done a lot. But Wayne Rooney's papered over some huge issues that people, for whatever reason, have their really awesome color, you know, glass-colored, you know, sunglasses on that <laughs> rose-tinted color. There we go. <laughs> that's, that's I get excited. I don't think things through. You know, yeah, okay. It's just it's just that they do have some holes and I think that people are kind of forgetting about that. Oh, sure. I don't think anyone that's like well, okay, sure. Some people are definitely forgetting about it. And I, I don't think this is the best team in the league. I don't think this is the best team in the East. I, I don't I don't believe they will win. MLS Cup. All I'm saying is that this is a team that has some of that stuff. I know we don't like to talk about it much because it's not something we can prove it's not analytical but they got moxie they got swagger no they definitely do have they definitely have some swagger but they got confidence they got uh belief they're they, yeah. they've tasted victory and like like now they, they don't want to lose the taste of victory uh defeat will no longer suffice to save them uh but that's I don't know. true for fc dallas as well it's true they're it tired is. of losing they are tired of losing uh but also, uh, you know, we have to acknowledge that most of what we've seen from DC United has been at home. They, their season sort of was awkward, and it sort of kind of uh, presented itself in this weird way where they, they were moving into a new stadium. So there was just a lot of things kind of going into that, like, emotional uh, and intangible side of things that, that would, would improve them. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of in a home-and-home home exactly how strong they are against some of these better teams. That's a really good point. That's that's the best point I've heard so far. Now, that being said, Wayne Rooney is really good. And I just want to say that I called that many, many months ago when everybody else was doubting. And I want that on record. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. I, I, call, I called the New York Red Bulls winning the Supporters' Shield. Listen, we'll get into that in a minute. There were no stakes on that bet. Now... <laughs> 
so yeah, so uh, DC United uh, definitely kind of a curiosity right now, a bit of a novelty. Uh, I would say not the solid team that you would expect to go all the way, but again, if they're playing on Magic and Fairy Dust, we'll see how long it lasts, and there's no reason why it can't. The the big thing is is that they've mostly outscored their opponents, and that's what they're going to have to continue to do. I can't imagine that in their opening game uh, against Columbus that they just can't break down Columbus. Columbus has been Columbus has one of the best um, goals against. I, th- I think they. Oh yeah, are... X, XGA wise, they're the best. Yeah, well, I mean, and even going back since the start of the transfer window, sixteen games, um, they're third best. Um, so, I mean, they're a pretty staunch defense, but that being said, uh, you know, the, the other side of the coin is since the start of that transfer window and Wayne Rooney joined the team, they're fourth best. So this is, this is going to be a really, uh, an interesting case of a team that's going to play pragmatic and is going to sit, you know, six deep behind the ball, um, versus a team that's, you know, um, pretty pretty good at attack and pretty good about having two creative figures that can that can break you down so it, it's going to be a fun game but let me pitch this to you as a concept tata martino's last game in charge of atlanta is losing to ben olsen one more time right isn't that great <laughs> come on it's irresistible the narrative you know, i i've had two different moments it's delicious i've had two different moments where i've called out different organizations that we're going to get some sort of email on and you might get the most hate mail out of both of us no people Atlanta fans love me they know I kid um (laughs) let's (laughs) let's move let's move on to RSL uh real praying (laughs) yeah real Salt Lake I'm kidding Atlanta people I predicted you'd win this whole thing okay it was me that stood by you and you let me down uh RSL okay RSL had the funnest job, the most fun job on Decision Day, which was sit and watch uh, as L.A. melted and uh, they became uh, uh, play- a playoff team. Uh, I don't know. This is not a team that I think is super great. Uh, I-, I think they have good things. I think they have good players. I think like D.C., uh, they do. I think they might even be a little more complete than D.C., but just this is not a team that, uh, for me personally... Uh, would scare me a lot as an opponent in these playoffs right now. No, I, I think <clears throat> I don't think they're as complete as DC. Um, look, they probably have some a little bit better defending, uh, but when DC's all healthy, I think they have the pieces there that can <clears throat> maybe push them a little bit higher than and help them punch a little bit more than their weight. Uh, RSL, I think the, the inverse is true, right? Uh, they're mostly healthy, but they got a lot of pieces that I don't feel. Uh, are fully functioning. Uh, Jao Plata has just, I mean, where has he gone this year? This year has just been uh, just abysmal for him. Corey Baird's been interesting, but he's not been great either. Uh, I, I feel like he's bailed them out a few times more than what they deserve. And, you know, this Demir Krylak versus, uh, you know, whoever else they're going to stick in the attack, um, it, it's, it's, it's not been great. Right, uh, Albert Rusniak is—he has some moments, and, and again, going back to the case in point for um, uh, Russell Canus, um it's not to say that they're not good players. I feel like we we have these moments in our minds of of why they're good, um, and we build arguments upon those thoughts and upon those highlights. But when you start picking them apart and you start looking at them a little bit more over over a consistent period of time, you know, over five, over ten games, you start to see that eliteness, that those moments of uh, greatness just kind of dissipate, and they kind of just they become Thanos snapping, and you you see that just this ash kind of go up in the air, and the art there goes your argument. And Rusniak has kind of been that way. He's a one-way player that is sometimes just a little bit. Um, he's he, he's kind of there until he's not. And for RSL, they need everybody functioning. They need everybody locked in. Um, that being said, we've we've seen um, 
them press more in the second halves, getting back to what they were last year. You're starting to see a little bit more cohesiveness within their midfield. So uh, we're seeing a better version of RSL here in the second half uh, than what we saw in the first half. That being said, they're still not a great team. They, they're a functioning team. Um, they have a lot of really talented parts. Uh, Jefferson Saverino is really, really fun. Um, but I, I contend I, I'm, I feel like them going to LAFC is just kind of a courtesy game in some ways. Well, um, okay. Yeah, I don't disagree with a lot of that. I mean, I think that, um, and you know, uh, Plata, you know, has been, he slowed down the second half of the season, but he was very, very good in the first half of the season. And then there was all that trade talk, and I think maybe that, I don't know. Hard to say, like, with a player, if that gets in their head or not, or, or whatever that happens. Um, you know, he's definitely slowed down. and he's, he's been my favorite player on that team for a while, and I, I think that if they're going to do anything special, you know, it, he's going to have to be a big part of it, uh, just because he does have that dynamism. Um, <clears throat> but again, you know, you've got a solidish spine. Like, this is a good team. It's just not, like, it's not a great team. And you don't have to be a great team to win MLS Cup, as we've seen a number of times before. Um, kind of feels like more often than not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I would be very surprised to see them get past the first round. And um, if they do, I think they, they should consider that a pretty big accomplishment. I mean, I think even just being here is kind of um, more than they deserve. Yeah, I, look, and, and Plata has been fine, um, but for having years of exceptional uh, Jao Plata, and, and I mean of exceptional, I, he, he's for me over the years he's been borderline elite. For him to have a four goal, uh, eight assist season, um, and all of eighteen hundred minutes, you know, it, look, that that's fine. It fine but uh it's it's not been great and you know sebastian sacito um everybody kind of came out of there unglued with him earlier this at the beginning of the season but i mean he put on 1100 minutes and he's not been exceptional really exceptional either i mean three goals one that was just uh, honestly i'm gonna be i'm gonna be quite honest i don't know how it went in against seattle i have no idea um yeah it, it, it yeah, it was an unusual. Uh, it was it was definitely an outlier goal. You don't really usually hit those, but uh, you know I think a lot of my downness might just be kind of how I've seen them lately. I feel like the two matches against Portland recently were just pretty abysmal for them, uh, and certainly like doing that when their backs were up against the wall and they needed results and they kind of collapsed against Portland of all teams, and then you know they didn't really win their way into the playoffs so much as just kind of wound up there so that might explain some of my pessimism about it but again i don't want to like count anybody out i never do because it's so dangerous in this league uh but, but yeah yeah i kind of with you on that so all right let's uh you you sent me a playoff bracket i i did never fill one out because i don't like being wrong <laughs> um, and i'm almost never right so uh, you just said critique this, so uh, I'm going to look at your picks and tell you why they're terrible. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's start out west. You've got FC Dallas beating Portland. That seems about right to me. I don't know. They're at home. Uh, Portland's been better on the road this year than they have been in years past, but uh, going to Texas is never fun for any team that's not a Texas team. I, I always think that, that, that we see teams kind of struggle there a little bit. Uh, thankfully, I guess in the fall, the weather's a little bit less intense, but but still, I, I don't think they're going to find that as easy of a match as they, they would have hoped by resting players, so I'm cool with that. Uh, you have LAFC beating RSL, that's fine. Uh, then you have Sporting Kansas City beating FC Dallas in two legs. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. I got no problems with that. Uh, you have Seattle beating LAFC in two legs. That's going to be an interesting match if that's what happens. Um, this was the hardest call. I went back yeah. and forth on this, thinking about this for a while. Yeah, I do think that the LAFC... They beat Seattle both times this year, but it was both one nothing, and it was both kind of weird games. Like, I think in the first game of the season, Seattle were very dominant and just couldn't get one in. And then in the second game of the season, it was that one that uh, Fry dropped that free kick, like, in the 92nd minute. Um, yeah, that was just kind of 
just a weird goal at the end yeah, of the game. Yeah, kind of fluky. It. So I don't really know what to say about those two teams uh, facing off each other. I think that's a very even series. I think that'll be an interesting, uh, maybe the most interesting in the West. Uh, you do have Seattle going through, and if I had to bet, I'd probably side with you there too. Um, and then you have Sporting Kansas City beating Seattle over two legs. I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, hmm. Yeah. That, that that. I don't know. I think Seattle have played SKC very well, even when they were bad. They played them pretty close. Um, and I think just historically, <laughs> it's been a really good fixture for Seattle, uh, especially late in the year. So I, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one for me too. But but I can accept SKC winning the West on your on your bracket here. Uh, you have Columbus on the East beating DC United. I don't like it. I'm going to say DC United wins that game just to prove you wrong. You have NYCFC beating Philadelphia. Yeah, I think so. Um, Philadelphia have been good lately, but NYFC, NYCFC just have a lot of talent through and through, and they've got Jan Hill Herrera back, so I think they're going to make some waves. Bobby Warshaw had a really good point about this game being kind of a trap game for Philadelphia because they like to possess so much of the ball, and in New York City, it's just so hard to do. Um, and so it requires Philadelphia to kind of change up their tactics, which they really haven't done all year. So it, it's going to be really interesting. I, I think that's actually going to be my favorite game to watch out, out of all the uh, early games this yeah. week. Yeah, and that's coming up here real soon. So um, let's see. Then you have... Um, you know, the Red Bulls versus Columbus, I'd put D.C. there. Either way, I see Red Bulls winning that in two legs. I agree with you there. Uh, then you have Atlanta versus NYCFC, and you have NYCFC going through at Atlanta's expense. I don't know about that. That is another really good series. Like, they have played very close games against each other. Um, hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, so this was kind of a coin flip for me. I really like Atlanta, and uh, <clears throat> I... I feel like, personally, I think Atlanta is the best team in the league. Underlying numbers, everything. But I don't know if, and I said this in my article, uh, I'll repeat it now, I kind of wonder if things just don't get to Atlanta at some point. There's a lot of expectations, but there's a lot of Tata's leaving, Almiron's leaving, you have this stuff out the door. Um, young players are expected to kind of carry a, a bigger load. Can I mean, this is no more can Almiron carry them. It's more of can Barco and Julian Gressel carry them. Um, can uh, Joseph Martinez do more than just uh, take the last shot in the final third? And that's not trying to be disrespectful. I, Martinez has been so just dominant um, in that final third. But a lot of that comes from where he's receiving the ball from Almiron in that final in that final third and, and a lot of the dirty works done by Nagby and Ramiti and, you know, uh, Jeff Lorenowitz, does he have legs left? I think this is just going to be a fantastic series. NYC's really interesting to me because they've, they've got so many of their pieces back. They look back. I know it's one game, but they look there. And, and to be perfectly honest, if you haven't listened to dummy runs rant on our podcast from a couple weeks ago, he has me believing. He really has me bought into this NYC team. Yeah. Um, another thing that's interesting and uh, going forward here, like regardless of if it's NYCFC or Atlanta, um, you know, like whoever comes out of that is going to be wounded. <laughs> like, yes. that's gonna, that, that is a great way of saying that. That's yes. going to take a lot out of whoever wins that series. And that is why seeding is so important and why, blowing that top seed for Atlanta was a bummer because I think New York Rebels are going to be have a pretty easy game again or a pretty friendly series against DC United or Columbus and they're going to kind of be able to chill there um, and have a much better chance of winning that that conference final uh, should all those things fold that way which again we don't know I don't make brackets because they're so scary um, so yeah I think if you put Atlanta up there you know I, I see them running this table pretty easily uh, especially because RB or you know New York Rebels and NYCFC would, would just kill each other uh, in <laughs> in a conference semi, so that's going to be a great uh, conference finals. But I do think ultimately uh, Rebels New York will be coming out of the East. I agree with you there. I'm not so sure I agree with you with Sporting Kansas City coming out of the West. I think that it's either going to be Sporting Kansas City or Seattle. I do agree with you there. Um, I'm just not sure. I think uh, well, I guess SKC would have the home field advantage technically in that series in the finals, right? So. Hmm. Seattle. Well, they would against anybody. They're the top seed. 
Right. I, I, I think I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it's LAFC, Seattle or sporting to be perfectly honest. I feel like all three of those teams are, are pretty close. I kind of give the edge to sporting. Um, I agree with you. I think that Seattle has a, has a chance to get into the finals. I think LAFC um, can play a little bit of chess. They have such a dynamic attack. Um, I, I could see them just throwing up four on both Seattle and uh, SKC and just kind of walking into uh, the finals ready to, to lose to New York. Because um, <laughs> honestly, I, I, think New, I think New York, um, the Red Bulls, I feel like are... I mean, it's like New York Red Bulls are going to win MLS Cup. Changed my mind. Well, you've picked Sporting Kansas City on your bracket here, so you changed your own mind. Oh, see, I I, I must have done that wrong. I must have done that wrong. My bad. <laughs> I thought that was a little bit. Uh, I thought this was a good confidence pick from you, but all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, I think Red Bulls are obviously the favorites. Um, I do think again, I'll say this: I do think that coming out of their bracket, they're going to be a little more tired, a little more wounded uh, than whoever kind of comes out of the West. Um, just because I think that, that, you know, running through the NYCFC, Atlanta, uh, ringers, pretty brutal for any team, any three of those teams, no matter who comes out on top, is going to have left a lot out there on the field in the previous two legs. Um, but, you know, there's enough time. So yeah, I'm going to be, yeah, if I had to be safe and I had to, like, actually take five of my hard-earned dollars and put it on the table, um, you know, I, I would probably pick uh, the New York Red Bulls, and you know, you know what? I, I just for contrary, just for contrary, I'll stick with this. I'll say Sporting Kansas City, and here's the deal: Sporting Kansas City can play that up tempo, um, counterattacking style with the Red Bulls in their face. I feel like they could find ways to beat the Red Bulls. You know what? Uh, I they they played them tough on the road once. Uh, why not? Let's just go with SKC for the whole kit and caboodle. I like it. I like it. We're at odds again. Um, okay, well, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, playoffs coming up. Kickoff in just a couple hours. Exciting times for us. Uh, we'll be back during the playoffs uh, to kind of update you on what's going on and give our little takes on things that are happening, maybe some, some mini episodes here and there. Uh, so look out for those. Also, while you still have time, and, and nothing has been decided in the playoff realm yet, go visit www.americansocceranalysis.com. Playoff previews for every team. Um, well, I guess by the time you get this, a couple of them will be eliminated already, but read them anyway for posterity's sake. Why not? Uh, some really good work from our writers there. Like, uh, a, lot of, a lot of us put like a lot, of, a lot of hard work into that, so I, I would like you to check that out. Uh, you can Specifically Ian, who edited all of them and wrote one himself. They are masterfully done. Thank you, thank you. I was gonna say Dummy Run and, and, and Choik, but because <laughs> they think Magnum Opus is their like read like actual opposition scouting research. But uh, yeah, uh, do check them all out. They're they're all quite good. Um, I have not seen any complaints about any of them, which is unusual. So they must be amazing. Uh, you can follow uh, American Soccer Analysis on Twitter at Analysis Evolved. Uh, follow Harrison. That's at Harrison underscore Crow. Follow me at a handle for Ian. Um, yeah. That's great. Enjoy the playoffs. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. We've had a lot of fun this season, and we're looking forward to closing things out with you. Uh, so, again, thank you so, so, so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. And until then, enjoy the playoff soccer. Don't you pray, don't you pray to a cocaine a black four-seater. Got a man, don't need him, but you wait. Call me when you want, or just call me when you need him. If you only ever need
today I'm just a page on written on the pavement You need it to your lips But I'm more than a need or a thing you believe Or a word that you believe 